This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. We'll be uh, working out of John chapter 10 today, so you can turn there in your Bible. If you're in the Pew Bible, that's uh, page 896. Um, But first I want to read to you from one of my favorite books. It's called Sheep in a Jeep. My apologies to you in the back. Maybe you'll sit up closer next time. (laughs) Beep, beep, sheep in a jeep on a hill that steep. Uh Uh-oh, the jeep won't go. Sheep leap to push the jeep. Sheep shove, sheep grunt, Sheep don't think to look up front. Jeep goes splash, Jeep goes thud, Jeep goes deep in gooey mud. Sheep tug. Sheep shrug. Sheep yelp, sheep get help. There's some big pigs down here in the mud. If you can't see them in the back, one of them has a a tattoo. (laughs) Jeep comes out. Sheep shout. Sheep cheer. Oh, dear. The driver sheep forgets to steer. Jeep in a heap. The tree and the Jeep have had an encounter, in case you can't see. Sheep weep. Sheep sweep the heap. Jeep for sale, cheap. Here ends the lesson. If you've ever been to church on a Good Shepherd Sunday or have read John 10 and heard somebody preached on it, there's this familiar trope about the dumb and stupid sheep how they drive Jeeps down into mud and run into trees and things like that. So it's very clear, okay, we're the sheep, we're dumb, we're stupid. And you can kind of gauge the level of frustration of the pastor that he's had that week. Like, oh, Pastor Jim is a little frustrated this week. He's really emphasizing the stupidity of the sheep. But when you look at John 10 and you marinate in this chapter, what actually emerges and what you really, what stands out to you is how amazing is the shepherd. In John chapter 10, we see that Jesus, our good shepherd, he calls, he leads, he gives life abundantly. He even lays down his own life for the sake of the sheep. He knows his sheep and he gathers his sheep. And that's just John 10. The image of God as a shepherd is spread throughout the Bible. Elsewhere we find out that he leads us to green pastures. He restores our souls, quiet waters. He protects, he guides, he even sets a table in the presence of our enemies. He feeds the sheep, he strengthens the weak, heals the sick, binds up the injured. He goes after those who are straying. He rescues the lost. And he even rules with gentleness, Ezekiel 34 says. Wow, he is a good shepherd. Okay, what do the sheep do then? What is our part? If we look at John chapter 10, look at verse 3. The shepherd enters the gate. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out. 
When he's brought them out, he goes before them, and the sheep follow. All the things that Jesus does, there are two things we have to know how to do. Hear and follow. That's what sheep do. So in this passage of John 10, Jesus is describing his followers like sheep following a shepherd. The context is right before the story was the healing of the man born blind. He was born blind, Jesus healed him, and then afterwards the Pharisees attacked him with questions and eventually threw him out of the synagogue and called him a sinner because he was choosing to follow Jesus. Immediately after this, Jesus tells this story, gives this teaching, this metaphor about the sheep who hear his voice in the midst of thieves and robbers and strangers whom they will not follow. He's essentially saying, the man born blind, he is one of my own. My sheep hear my voice and they follow. Everybody else in that story, his parents, the Pharisees, the confusion, they didn't get it. My sheep, this man born blind, he heard my voice. That's how you know he is mine. And that's the Bible story, John 9, and the teaching in John 10 about Jesus being a shepherd and we being a sheep. But the reason that I'm here today is to tell you who are here today that this isn't just a story about people who lived 2,000 years ago. This isn't just a teaching that Jesus gave that was relevant to the man born blind or those first disciples who literally followed him around Galilee and Judea 2,000 years ago. But I'm here today to tell you that Jesus wants you also to follow him. And he's going to speak to you so that you can hear his voice, so that you know how to do that. This is probably one of the most important ideas in all the Bible, that God wants you to follow him that the one who made the heavens and the earth, everything that is seen, indeed your own life, that one came to the earth in order to draw close, in order that you would know, I want you to follow me. This last week, I was able to kind of slip in the back of the room when the youth group was having their Easter feaster, their celebration of Holy Week, and I got to hear a few of the testimonies. One stood out of a young girl, sounded like she was in middle school, and she said at the, on Saturday night at the end of the vigil during the gathering reading when all the people were coming up on stage, I felt as if Jesus was saying, and you belong up here too. And I wanted to ask her, did Jesus' voice sound like a multitude of brass instruments? Because I'm sure that helped. She said, I felt like I belonged up here. He was calling me to join him. Yes. Absolutely. That's it. Jesus wants you to follow him. He wants you to be one of his sheep, part of his flock. And to help you to do that, Jesus is going to speak to you. He's going to speak so that you can hear his voice. But do you expect Jesus to speak to you? Do you live your life day by day waiting to hear from the Lord? In my life, I would say there are times where I am more tuned into that reality and times where I am less. How are you doing right now in your life? Are you expecting 
Jesus to talk to you? Do you believe that he wants you to hear his voice? Again, we look at verse 3. After the shepherd enters the gate, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. So Jesus calls to the sheep. He knows you by name. And this calling them out, it's the calling them out of the pen, but it corresponds to that initial call. That first time I felt like God was leading me to follow him, and I said yes. Like that young girl during Holy Week saying, Jesus was talking to me. Many people remember the first time they heard Jesus speak to them and say, I want you to follow me. And if you've never had that experience, it's possible you're having that experience right now. That as I'm saying, Jesus wants you to follow him, something is rising and warming in your heart, and you're saying, yes, I want to do that. But then look at verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So now, after bringing them out of the pen, after that initial call, now he's leading them along the pathway. And as they go, he continually calls out so they can follow him. Because if they hear his voice, they're good. If they can't hear his voice, sheep will get lost. Because sheep are dumb. Did we cover that already? Okay, we covered that already. So he calls, not just initially, but he calls continually throughout the rest of our lives. He speaks to us. Do you live your life expecting Jesus to speak to you at any moment? Do you live your life listening for his voice? He never stops speaking. He never stops leading. Expect Jesus to speak to you because Jesus wants you, yes, even you, to follow him. And to help you do that, he's going to speak in a way that you can hear him. All right, look at verse 6. It says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So it says this is a figure of speech, a metaphor, but they didn't understand the metaphor. They didn't understand that what Jesus was doing was pointing to himself. He's saying, I am the center of this reality of shepherd and sheep. I'm the door. I'm the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. He says it over and over because they're not getting it. Or perhaps what is happening is they do understand that he's saying, I am the shepherd, and that's confusing. Why? Because like I said, the image of a shepherd is throughout the scriptures, but everywhere else in the Bible, who is the shepherd? God is the shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Or Ezekiel 34, I referenced that earlier. Ezekiel 34, after a string of false and bad shepherds, God says, I myself will lead my sheep. I will be the shepherd. And then a few chapters later, he talks about how he's going to join the flocks of Judah and Israel that had become separated from one another. I will join them again, and there will be one shepherd over that one flock. Well, Jesus uses that same language towards the end of John chapter 10. I have sheep who are not of this pen. I'm going to go get them. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. And so perhaps their confusion was, wait a minute, God is the shepherd. Are you saying that you're God? 
And indeed, at the end of chapter 10, they're ready to stone Jesus, saying, you make yourself equal to God. So for sure, his opponents, who were also listening, they were confused by this figure of speech, this metaphor. The fact that this is a metaphor has additional significance for us today. The way a metaphor works is it's comparing two unlike things. So a human being is not a sheep. A sheep is not a human being. And if you were to look at a person, particularly a grown, capable, successful adult, you wouldn't necessarily think dumb, incapable, easily gets lost, needing protection. You wouldn't think those things. But when you put human being and sheep together in this metaphor, and you begin meditating on in what ways are we like sheep, and you start looking at your own life, you start realizing, no, in fact, even with my successes, I'm really small in the grand scheme of things. I do get lost easily. I need protection. I need feeding. I need guiding. I need leading. I do need a shepherd. And so we see insight because these two things that normally are not like each other, now we see the ways they are like each other. But at the end of the day, a person is not a sheep, and a sheep is not a person. That also has significance. Why? Well, because a sheep sheep, as opposed to a human sheep. Jesus says in this text, and we know it's true, a real sheep will always follow the shepherd. A real sheep will hear the voice of the shepherd, and it's not a choice. It's just automatic. I hear the voice, I go. I follow. A real sheep hears the voice of a stranger and flees, runs away. Is that true for human sheep? Do we always accurately hear the voice of the shepherd? Do we always flee from strangers? I wish that were so, but it's not. And in here, the difference between a human and a sheep is apparent. We have a choice. And sometimes we make the wrong choice. And so that's why we read in our psalm earlier today, Psalm 35, He is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. But today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the wilderness at Massa when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my mighty works. It's referring to the time right after the coming out of Egypt, the great and mighty works of God, and in that generation, they did not follow the Lord faithfully. They hardened their hearts against him. So unfortunately, because this is a metaphor, we see the ways that humans are like sheep, but we also have to remember, but in other ways, we're not. And so when we look at this metaphor, we need to also ask the question, okay, if it's the job of the sheep to hear the voice and to follow, how do we do that well? How do we do that well? Because Jesus wants us to follow us. He is speaking so that we can hear. Are there, are there ways and things that we can do to more better follow than others? And the answer is, yeah, we're going to talk about three. The remainder of this sermon, we'll talk about three lessons for listening well. 
The first is listening requires dedication. Listening requires discernment also. And finally, listening requires doing. Dedication, discernment, and doing. So again in verse 4, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So sheep hear the voice. They follow. As I've been speaking today, I've been saying Jesus is speaking to you. He's always speaking. He's always leading. And it's possible that as you hear me say that, you say, really? That's not my experience. It's hard for me to know if God has ever spoken to me or if he's speaking now. I don't have the experience of hearing God's voice. And if he really cared about this as much as you say he does, why do I have a hard time hearing him speak to me? That's a fair question. And I bet every one of us who seriously try to follow Jesus has asked that at some time or another. Maybe you're asking that today. Well, what if I told you that it is hard to hear the voice of Jesus? It's hard. It takes dedication, work, time, effort, and making mistakes. It's something you have to learn how to do. Well, on the one hand, that might be a relief to you because you might say, well, at least that makes sense of my experience. If it's hard, like you say it is, then I'm not the only dumb sheep in the room. Okay. That's maybe a relief to you. Okay. Now I can make sense of my experience. But there's another side to it. On the one hand, it might be a relief. On another hand, you're thinking, I don't like work. I don't like you telling me that it takes work to grow in being able to listen to the voice of God. We don't like work. We want shortcuts. We don't like hearing, actually, it can be hard sometimes. But you also know that the things in life most worth doing are. They're hard. They take sacrifice, perseverance, effort, learning, making mistakes, growing from those mistakes, and not giving up. And so it's the same in learning how to hear the voice of God. If you tried to learn a new language, you would not be shocked that you couldn't do that in a day. If you tried to get physically fit or learn new habits, you understand that's going to take some time. If you tried to learn how to write simultaneously with both hands, Greek in one and Latin in the other, as President Garfield did, you would recognize that's going to take time. I always wonder, how did he hold his paper? None of you have ever thought about writing Greek and Latin at the same time. Or, hey, I saw one hand back there. Nice. We understand that doing hard things takes time. And I just want to ask you, why should it be any different with listening for God's voice? Just because it's something spiritual. 
We think if it's spiritual and God's involved, there must be shortcuts. Well, that kind of makes sense because he is powerful. But he also knows the value of learning and earning. Now, I'm not talking about earning your salvation. Your salvation is set. But I'm talking about growing in learning his voice. And that's actually a precious thing. And you wouldn't want, at the end of the day, for that to be a shortcut. But will you accept that it takes dedication to do that? Will you be prepared to say, yes, and knowing the grace of the Lord that when I make mistakes or it's not going well, that that's nothing wrong with me, that's actually how it's supposed to be? Yes, I can do that. You can do that. So a few things that'll help in, in this dedication and seeking to listen to the voice of God. First, all listening for God's voice is rooted in the Scriptures. It's rooted in the Scriptures. Just read a, a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer this last week where he was saying, when you're reading the Bible, don't stop until you know God is speaking to you. And I was challenged. I've had seasons in my life where that was really important. Now I'm kind of in my rhythms and my routines, and I can just too quickly move on. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was saying, slow down, listen, and also expect. When you come to the Bible, do you expect that the God of the universe wants to talk to you? He does. It changes a lot when that's how you approach the Scriptures. And if you're not daily in the Word of God, and it's less important how much and how you're doing it, but if you're not daily in the Word of God, that would be the place to start. There's no place that God speaks like the Scriptures. He speaks in many ways in other ways. There's no place that he speaks like the Scriptures. Be rooted in the Scriptures. That's how you are attuned to the voice of God. Also, when God speaks, sometimes he speaks through dreams. Pay attention. A lot of this is about just paying attention. Sometimes he speaks in nudges and promptings that are just below the surface. And this is how we practice here at Resurrection, something called prophetic prayer or listening prayer, where you're listening not just with your mind, you're not just thinking, but you're also listening at a deeper level for, is there a word that the Lord has for this person that I'm praying for? Is there an image that he's giving to me? Is there a verse of Scripture that seems to be coming from the Lord? And of course, the million-dollar question is, well, how do I know that it's this special thought from God and not just a random thought? Of course, that's the question. That's what everybody wants to know. Do you want to know what the answer is? You're not going to like it. Practice. Practice is how you know, oh, that's, a, that's from the Lord. Oh, that's just a random thought that's running through my mind. The more you do it, the more you start to recognize. And the more you do it with others, and maybe something is confirmed. Someone says, yes, that is what's going on for me. Or, yes, I was hearing that too. The more practice you get, the more you start to recognize, okay, that, that inner weight, that heft, that sense of significance to that thought, that's when God is speaking to me. Hardly anybody hears audible voices from God. And if the Scriptures in my own life are any proof, even when we do, that's no guarantee that we'll, we'll actually do the right thing. It's not about hearing audible voices. It's that inner sense of, okay, here's a thought, and I feel like I'm supposed to pay attention to it. And if you do, and you follow it, and you do what it says, and things pan out, or it seems to be true with what's going on around you, then you're starting to build a sense of, here's how God speaks to me. Here's what his voice sounds like. 
Uh, just out of curiosity, show of hands, during Holy Week, how many of you prayed for somebody or received prayer that you would describe as prophetic? Yeah, something was being given from the Lord. Just raise your hands. Look around. That's awesome. I would have been thrilled with 10. And that was like 30, 40. As a church, we love this. We know how to do it. So keep it up. And yes, prophesy, practice prophetic listening in groups. If you've got a prayer partner in your youth group, small group, in your res group, don't just pray for grandma's cat who broke her leg. That's fine to do that. But put somebody in the hot seat. Don't let them talk. And just listen and see what God says. And that's how you practice. And just know that it takes time. It takes effort. It takes dedication. Um, if you want, like, a master class in hearing the voice of God, uh, Deacon Val, stand up. Transformation Intensive. I got to do it three years ago, finally. Do Transformation Intensive with Deacon Val, all right? Can I get an amen? You will learn principles and practices that will serve you for the rest of your life in being able to hear God's voice and to discern it. There's also something about setting apart a whole year and the daily time in the Word of God, meditating and doing that listening work. There's something about that dedication that I also think is a significant part of why so many of our people meet the Lord and are transformed significantly through TI. So if you haven't done TI, uh, sign-ups are coming up soon. Maybe next year is the year. So hearing the voice of God, it takes dedication, perseverance, practice. But if you don't give up, you'll learn, you'll grow, and that's exciting. All right, so first lesson is listening well takes dedication. Second lesson, listening well takes discernment. So look again at, at chapter 10. The whole beginning of this passage, Jesus is warning about thieves and robbers. Whoever does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Later in verse 5, he talks about the stranger, and the sheep flee from the stranger. Later on still, he'll talk about the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, or the hired hand who doesn't care for the sheep. So the context of this chapter is danger is a theme throughout John chapter 10. And Jesus is saying you need to be able to discern the true voice of your shepherd from all the other voices. Again, it's a metaphor. Sheep, sheep, real sheep, they always hear and always know. They can pick out their shepherd's voice from the other shepherd voices around them. Human sheep. We have to train our discernment. We do sometimes follow the voice of the stranger, don't we? Instead of flee. Who is the stranger? Well, not individual persons per se. But understand that we are in a spiritual battle, and much of this spiritual battle is fought on the field of ideas. And you're engaging with ideas and messages all the time. Every time you watch a TV show, watch a movie, read a book, read a blog, listen to the news, talk with a friend at work, you are stepping onto that battlefield and you're engaging in ideas. And some of them are friendly and amenable to the truth and the voice of Jesus. Others are not. And you have to be constantly discerning. Is this the voice of Jesus? Does it sound like Jesus? Does it sound like the Scriptures? That's why we need the Scriptures. Another thing that I found extremely helpful in my life is along with the Bible, we have the body of Christ, and I have friends. The Lord has given to the church the offices of prophet and teacher. 
And I have friends who are not necessarily teachers and prophets who will stand in this pulpit, but they're friends that I will go to when I'm wrestling through ideas, or we'll talk together about what's going on in the world, and together they will help me understand. They will help articulate and cut through the lies and cut through the false ideas and help me discern the voice of Jesus amidst all of the ideas that are constantly at work in our lives. So we have to do this work of discernment. And when you do identify an idea that is a strange idea, it's contrary to the Lord and how he speaks, we don't entertain those ideas. We don't compromise and say, well, maybe we can let this. What does the Bible say we do? We flee. We flee from ideas and values that are clearly contrary to the voice of Jesus and the scriptures. But I gotta warn you that this fleeing, you'll be accused of being fearful, backward. You'll be called hyper-conservative, archaic. You'll even be called dangerous for not accepting and believing certain ideas. And when they call you fearful and you're worried because you're like, Jesus said, I'm not supposed to be afraid, understand there are two kinds of fear. There's the fear that we have when we're away from Jesus, and that's a time to be afraid because you are in danger. When you are with Jesus, that's when you never have to be afraid. So when you find yourself following ideas or values and they're lessening your love for Jesus and your closeness to him, don't ask yourself, how can I reconcile and compromise and live with, make these things all friends? Flee. Run to Jesus. So listening well requires dedication. It requires discernment, discerning the true voice of Jesus from the strangers. Thirdly, it requires doing. So when Jesus speaks and you feel like you're hearing him, do what he says. If you're reading the Bible and you realize the Bible is giving me a vision and a picture of my life that I'm not conformed to, conform yourself to what you see in the Bible. Change. Do what he is saying. When you get a prompting or a nudge, start following that. As I was saying earlier, it's, it's that following and taking risk that helps us learn how to hear the voice of the Lord. But again, this is a metaphor. So sheep, sheep, they hear the voice, they automatically go, and sheep trust their shepherd instinctively. This is the one who feeds me. This is the one who cares for me. Of course I'm going to follow him and trust him. That's not the same with human sheep, is it? Rather than inclined to trust, we're inclined not to trust. We're inclined to say, I don't want to give up all my control. Or begin to be fearful with the wrong kind of fear. And the very one that we're supposed to be following is the very one we're, af we're afraid of the shepherd. Where are you taking me? Can I trust you? What are you going to ask of me? What are you going to require of me? What path am I going to have to walk through? And I also wrestle with these fears. And when I wrestle with these fears, here's what I try to remind myself. When I ask, Lord, are you going to ask more of me than I'm able to give? What sacrifice are you going to require of me? I remember, well, wait a minute. 
I've already told Jesus, you have my whole life. I said I will die for you. If I'm ready to give my whole life for you, anything less that you ask for, it's yours. Second, I know that he's not going to ask of me anything and not give me the grace to do it. If he's really asking and he's telling me to do something, I can follow because he will give me the strength. And third and most important, I can trust him because I know that I know that I know where he leads is always to a good end. Whatever the path looks like immediately in front of you, whatever treacherous valley, you know that if you're following the voice of the good shepherd, it will lead to a good end. And so when he speaks, what do you do? You follow. You do what he says. You also discern the true voice of Jesus, and you understand that listening to God requires dedication. Let us commit ourselves to these things. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.